Pitts, please respond. Yeah. Okay, Zoe really wanted me to say that. So you could thank Zoe for that. We've had a great time here uh, in New Zealand and definitely at Thrive Church and the camp that we were at last week, my husband and I and our two awesome kids. Um, man, we just had such a great time with you guys. What a great country. This is our first time in New Zealand, and we've really been enjoying it a lot. Um, so hopefully we can come back another time and be with you guys again because it's just been so good. Um, yeah, my name is Lacey Thompson, and um, Scott Thompson was with, with us, with you guys here last night. For those of you guys that were here last night, hopefully you got to meet him and see him. He's at a church in Christchurch today. I don't know which one. Grace. But I get to be with you, so I'm so glad. We have three kids, um, Judah, or Ava, Judah, and Oren. Oren is at home. He's actually 19, so we left the country. It's the first time leaving him, I think, at home for this long. We've definitely gone and left him before. So this has been, it's been a long go. It's almost been three weeks since we've been gone. We go home tomorrow, so it'll be good to go home and see him. And uh, Judah is 12, and Ava's 9, and they got to come with us, and they've been having a blast just hanging out hanging out with you guys. It's been fun. Um, I actually wanted to minister just over you. What's your name? What is it? Steve? Steph. Okay. Steph makes more sense than Steve. I mean, I'm, I do know some a girl named Stevie, but Steph makes more sense. Can you stand up? Sure. Aren't you excited? Holy Spirit highlighted you. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. Depends on what I'm going to say, right? <sighs> I just feel like you are, um, you are so beautiful to God. And um, I felt like this morning, like I just saw him hovering on you, just um, so wanting you to just uh, step a little bit farther into who you are. I think I saw him calling you out on the water. You know that song, um, You Make Me Brave. And um, I saw I saw you being in the boat and him just calling you out on the waves. And um, I saw uh, I saw him open up your mind and all. It's it's hard to really explain, but I saw like these swirls coming out of your mind. And it was um, and when I looked into them, the nations were in there. And I feel like he's he's bringing you to the nations and the nations to you like there's um there's thoughts to prosper the nation inside of you and i see you working with um kids and young adults and and speaking in their lives and teaching them and i saw you just hands on practically loving them holding them um playing games with them like i i don't know what exactly it's going to be but i feel like the nations are in you and the this the solutions for the nation are in you and um, I even see see you um, ministering to refugees and just, I don't know how this is all going to come about, but um, there's an anointing for you. And I just feel like it's, it's God just saying, come out on the water with me, come out here with me. Like you're so chosen, you're so called, you're so adored by the Father. Um, I feel like I, I heard him say like when she walks into the room, she's the only one I see. Like you're so seen by him. And um, yeah, so I just feel like there's this, just this awareness of heaven and, and even just your call um, that you would be 
you'd be even more aware of what you carry um, and the solutions you carry and the love that you carry. And that when you, I just feel like when you love people, like it's so powerful when you, even if you just like get on, I see you like just getting on one-on-one -on -one levels with kids and it's so powerful. Like you bring so much acceptance when you, whenever you stop and talk to a stranger or a child or an old person or a young person that they feel loved and that you're special. And so I just want to just encourage you in that this morning. And I just thank you, Holy Spirit, for just the nations, Lord, that she's going to minister to the nations. Lord, I thank you that, um, whew, that it's easy because she just loves the one in front of her. And Lord, I thank you for all the people, all the ones that are going to be in front of her. Thank you that her words carry weight, they carry power, that they pierce the hearts. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you just love her so much, that she's so seen by you. <laughs> Yay, God. Ah, see? Why'd you act surprised? You're like, dang it, Lord. That was a good word, though. Right? That was good. It's always, you ever, never know what's going to come out, but it's good. All right, this is like fizzy water, so hopefully, hopefully it doesn't make me burp. Thanks, Jared. Jared's just trying to make it awkward. <laughs> I've had so much fun hanging out with your staff. You guys are lucky. You've got a great staff. Got to have lunch with Deb and Glenn yesterday and their beautiful kids, and it was amazing. And Jared's been chauffeuring us around, him and Roe, and we've had lots of fun, lots of laughter, some really good times. So you guys are really blessed. Yeah? Yes. I would go here. I would go to this church if I lived here. Come sit here and listen to your awesome staff. Thanks. Thank you. It's nice to know that. Well, we'll see how after, afterwards, if you still say I can come. <laughs> and this youth, the youth that are in this church are so special. Just have loved getting to know their hearts. I got a great picture from Zoe today. She, she, she colored me a really awesome picture of a unicorn farting rainbows. It was pretty awesome. It was pretty epic. And with a, yeah, with a fairy think that my life is going to be forever changed. So made me so happy this morning. It's really, really good. Man, you can't, if you can't get joyful about a rainbow farting unicorns, then I don't know. If you're, you better just check and see if you have a pulse. Are you there? Are you there? Okay. Just everybody. Yeah, Holy Spirit likes to have fun. Jesus makes me laugh he's so much. You guys, you guys just need to just have Jesus tell you a joke because he's really funny. Really, really funny. Well, it's a good day to be alive, and I'll tell you why. Because it's finished. Jesus finished it all. And we just get to, like, walk in, in the finished work of Christ. And I feel like it's a mystery. It's one of those great mysteries of... Of, of where we're at and where, where Jesus is and all that he's paid for 
and how we can step into that. And it's, it's one of those things that we get to unravel with the Holy Spirit. But um, just feel like this morning he's just putting, he's going to be putting his finger on the areas in our lives that we, that we feel disqualified. The areas in our lives where we have excuses, you know, and, and Scott says this a lot to our family, and I don't know if I, if I, if I might lose you guys just completely right here, and I'll, I'll modify it. I'm modifying it, but um, Scott says to our family when our, when our kids are whining or, you know, or he says it to me too. He says, if I have excuses like, oh, I can't do that, or I don't feel like good enough here in my life here, or I should, you know, maybe somebody else should do it or whatever, and the kids will be whining. He goes, you know, excuses are like butts. We all have them and they all stink. <laughs> so I, I might have lost some of you guys, and that was... That was a really modified statement, but um, they are. They are like butts, and we. And you, I, I want to make that. I want to. I wanted to say that this morning because when you start telling God excuses, just just breathe in and just know that that's what the Lord is smelling. He's smelling this like, yeah, that doesn't smell like a rainbow. That's not. That's not. I. I just. Jesus paid for that. Like, Jesus paid for you to be, like, so qualified. And it's actually an act of worship when we can give him our disqualifiers. Because, because we get to walk in what he deserves. You know, he deserves for you to be completely whole, completely healthy, completely set free from any bondage. Because he's, he died on the cross in our place. And so we get what he deserves. We're not, no, we're no longer just, um, we don't know, we no longer get what we deserve, but we get what he deserves. And so when we step out past our area of um, even comfort, our area of safety, our area of qualification, and we step into the fullness of God, we're worshiping him and we're saying, God, you're so worthy. You're so worthy. It's not about me. It's about what you, what you deserve. And you deserve for me to be completely, 100% on fire, walking in my identity. Isn't that good? The Holy Spirit is what qualifies us. And um, I love, you can cut through the Bible and you can see this all through the Bible. You know, one of my, one of my favorite... Um, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is, um, one of my favorite stories is the woman of Samaria. I didn't talk about this in first service, but I'm going to talk about it in second. Um, does everybody know the woman at the well? I love this story because here's this woman, and she had every disqualification for Jesus to not talk to her. First of all, she was a woman, and she, Jesus... You know, women are like totally like second class in, in the Old Testament. Thank God that we're in the New Testament and we're not under the curse anymore. Shabbat. Um, praise him. So, so there was a woman and she was a Samaritan woman. So Samaritans were like lower than, than dogs, you know, like they were not, you didn't talk to Samaritan women. And so here's Jesus. He goes to the well and um, he's tired. He's tired from his journey, and he goes to the well to get some water. And 
So I'm just going to read this to you, and then I'm going to talk about it. So Jesus, so there was a woman, there came a woman to, of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it, who it is, who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would give you living water. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where where then do you get the living water? Um, You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us this well? I'm going to fast forward. Um, And he says, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give shall never thirst, but the water that I will give will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. And then he starts to address her area of shame. Now, this is when, when, we, when we encounter Jesus and, he's, and, we, and we drink the water of life, we drink his eternal water, we ask him in our hearts, we ask him in our lives, watch out because then we are setting ourselves up to be stirred up. It's a great invitation. It's the great invitation that causes us to have to face our disqualifiers. It causes us to have to choose, do we believe the fullness of God? Do we believe that we're really um, chosen, that we're a son or a daughter? And we have to choose whether or not we're going to hold on to shame and stay kind of in this like lukewarm, pouty place, smelly place with, with our butts, or are we going to allow him to have all of us and to walk into the fullness? So he starts to address her area of shame. And I believe that if you want to be a powerful revivalist, if you want to change the world, then you're going to have to address, you're going to have to allow the Holy Spirit to address your area of shame because he wants it. I don't feel like we can walk around with shame and be powerful. I don't feel like we can walk around with shame and change the world. We really can't. And it's, it's one of the biggest things to me that God has his finger on in the church right now because it's the thing that keeps the bride blemished, and he wants a perfect and spotless bride. That doesn't mean that we have to be perfect. It means he wants us to give all to him because he's our redeemer. He's the one that qualifies us. He's the one that makes us clean. He says, come to me, just come to me as you are, and I will clean you. So here he is. He's starting to address her area of shame. And the first time I read this, the first probably hundred times I read this, I thought, man, Jesus, kind of harsh, like a little bit of a jerk there. You know, like seriously, this is, this is the, the, the redeemer, the lover of the world. Like you talking to her feels so rude. But listen, I want to just show you what he says. So he says, the woman said to him, okay, so he, he starts talking about, you know, he's talking about the well that he, ha- that he is, the life, the eternal life. He starts to stir inside of her. She's getting excited. And she goes, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or come all the way down here to get water. And he said, go call your husband and, go, go call your husband and come here. He's putting his finger on that. His finger is now on the area of shame. She answered him. She said, I have no husband. 
Jesus said to her, you have correctly said you have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one that you have now is not your husband. This you have said truly. And I'm like, wow, Jesus, dang. Can you, you know, I don't think, that's not like really my evangelism tactic, like going around and calling out like dirt on people, like, oh yeah, you've had five husbands. Okay, five husbands, I don't know how it is here, but five husbands, even in our our day and age, it's a lot of husbands. Like, if you've had five husbands, there's no shame. So, or, you know, or five wives, there's no shame. I'm not saying, like, you're a bad person. But there's something, there's something that needs to be worked out if you've had five spouses and it hasn't stuck. You know, like, there might be something that you need to, like, get work out with the Lord, right? You know, like, there's something going on here. And that now she's living with a guy that she's not married to. So another disqualifier. So do you see there's just like disqualifier, disqualifier, disqualifier. This lady is probably like not the most popular person in Samaria. Like this is probably one of the lowest of the low in this day and age to have five husbands and to be living with your, your, your boyfriend at the time in, uh, in the Old Te- Testament. Like under the law, like you're probably like pretty known for, you know, whatever. Like, it's not, it's not like this is not the holiest of, the, of holy in this, in this woman. He didn't come to the most perfect person in Samaria. Do you understand this? Like, okay. And Jesus is like super excited to be talking to her. So then he starts to address the area of her life that is keeping her from worshiping him because our shame affects the way that we view God. Do you understand, like, there's a correlation between how we view ourselves and how we view God. So if we feel dirty, a lot of times we feel like God is saying, hey, you're dirty. Like, you're not good enough. Because that's how we view ourselves. But if you would give him our shame, then he can give us something in return. He can give us the purity, the wholeness, the testimony. It's when our, it's when our, our history becomes his story, when he interrupts it, when he comes and redeems it. The redemption of God, the actual word redemption means the act of purchasing back something that's been previously sold. See, she sold parts of herself. And when he redeems her, he redeems back everything that's been sold. And it's it's not in a partial way. It's not in a broken way. It's in a whole, wholeness, fullness. It's when his... His story becomes history if we believe and we allow him to do that in our lives. So he starts to address the area that is keeping her from worshiping. Because he said, right after she said that uh, about her husbands, she said, um, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem, Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming. When neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You will worship, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So what did he do? He just freed her up to be fully his, fully known, worshiping in spirit and truth. It's not about this denomination. It's not about who says what's right. It's about a relationship. 
So the, the, the disciples come. Um, well, she talks to him about the Messiah. He says, I am the Messiah. At that point, his disciples came. And they're like stunned that he's talking to this woman. And they're like, why, do you, why are you talking to her? Um, and they, said, they went to get some food. And he said, they said, come on, eat, Rabbi, eat. Like, let's eat. And he said, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And the disciples were like, where did he get food? Like, they're not getting it. They're not getting it at all. And he said, my food is to do the will of him who has sent me to accomplish this work. Like, God eats, he eats redemption for breakfast. Like, this is his food. This is what he lives for. He lives for you to be fully you because he made you to be fully you. This is what he eats for breakfast. He's super excited about it. Now listen to what happens with this woman. So God wrecks her. He wrecks her. He, he, he touches that area of shame. And I asked Jesus about this. I was like, Jesus, like, why did you, why did you address it like that? Like, what was it that you were doing? And he says that when, he's like, when I show up, Lacey, I don't want to deal I, I don't want to deal with all of, the, all of the stuff. I want to get right to the root of shame because that is what's going to keep you from worshiping me in spirit and truth. And so that's what, when we feel that finger of God on us, it's our opportunity to, to get free. So good. So listen to what happens to this woman. This woman ends up being the greatest evangelist of Samaria. So she goes and she says, from the city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things that I have done. No, he didn't. He told her a few things about her husbands, but she felt so like undone. She was so known by, the, by, by Jesus. And so she testified. He told me all the things I've done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them. And he stayed with there two days. Many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to this woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. Wow. She was so wrecked by the presence of God that she became one of the greatest evangelists evangelists of Samaria. You know what's cool about that is she was she could have totally stayed in her disqualified state. God, I don't want to go tell people what I've what you told me. I don't I don't I don't feel uh, worthy. I'm probably one of the outcasts of the city. Nobody wants to hear what I have to say. I'm a woman. I'm living with my boyfriend. Da 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 da. da. She could have had a whole trail of excuses. But when Jesus when she encountered Jesus and he he took that shame from her, and she was full of the Spirit, she was undone, and she became a testimony. Isn't that cool? Okay. So, um, so I just felt like this morning just, um, Jesus just saying that you're enough. Like, who you are with him, with the Holy Spirit, is enough. Like, 
you can bring right where you are, right, whatever you have, and that's enough for God to do something. Um, I feel like when you see something, like we, uh, I have a friend in, um, in Mexico, his name's Jimmy, and he has an orphanage, and he, he says, like, if you see something, it doesn't matter if the people around you don't see it. Like, if you see a problem, if you see a piece of trash, if you see something that needs to change, that God's probably equipped you to be the change in that area. And I think a lot of times we're so unsatisfied because we're looking to somebody else to make a change that we see. So we might look to our staff of the church. We might look to our leaders of our city. We might look to the ones that are in charge. And we might say, man, I'm so frustrated that they don't see this problem that they don't do something about that. And a lot of times you're seeing it because you're actually the one that is called to bring a solution to that place, to bring a change to that place. There was, um, there was a long time, and it actually still, ha- I still, this still happens all the time. Um, but I'll, I remember when I was in school and ministry, like 18 years ago, I'd be driving and I'd feel the Holy Spirit say, I'd see a piece of trash on the road and I'd feel the Holy Spirit say, pick it up. And so literally, I would be getting out of my car in the rain, picking up trash on the side of the road just to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And I would feel just the pleasure of God. And, and, and it didn't necessarily make sense to me, like, God, why, do you, why are you having me pick up trash on the side of the road? But it was an obedience thing. Because if, he, if I can listen to the voice of God and park my car and get out on the freeway in the rain and pick up a piece of trash— then I will listen to him when he says, speak this word or minister to that person or love that person or go into that business and bring cookies to the owner or whatever. But it's like just listening to the still small voice and knowing that if you see something, that you're probably part of bringing the solution. And I'm convinced, you know, we've been in church ministry for a really long time, um, I think 13 years in full-time ministry, and before that, working jobs and volunteering for, you know, pretty much full-time ministry. Um, And I've seen a lot of unsatisfied people that go to church, like, man, I just wish the pastor would, you know, like, what about the art? How come there's not art on Sunday morning? You know, people need to do the art, and I'm passionate about art. Awesome. See if you can bring a paintbrush and a canvas like ask the pastor do something you know like if you're passionate about it it might be because you are the one called to do something about it and not everybody is going to have a platform here to do something but you might maybe maybe Glenn says no I don't want you to bring art to church your art sucks (laughs) then you go and you do it on a street corner go do art in the park like nobody's stopping you from happening in your life Like, nobody's keeping you from your destiny. And I just think it's so funny because, you know, like, so many people want the people that they look up to, you know, even like Bill or Chris or, you know, some of these guys from Bethel, you know, like, oh, man, I wish, I wish Chris had a heart for the, for the, I don't know, he has a heart for so many things. I'm trying to think of what he doesn't have a heart for. I was going to say the orphans, but he's totally on Heroes of the Nation's board. But say he didn't have a heart for the orphans. He hated all the orphans in the world. Anybody know Nacho Libre? Love Nacho. Um, <laughs> totally. Now I'm just thinking of Nacho references. So I got to pull. Have you not been baptized? Got to pull it back. 
But maybe he doesn't, you know, maybe he doesn't do anything for the orphans. Maybe it's like, oh, man, I just love Chris, but I wish he'd do this. Or I just love Jared, but why doesn't he care about the, about the dancing? Why doesn't he like the dancing? And it's like our heroes, we want our heroes. We're always a little bit unsatisfied because our heroes might not do a certain thing or show a certain way the heart of God. And I think it's because we're all called to be our, you're supposed to be your own hero. Like you're supposed to be living your life in a way that makes you feel so excited. Like, like I am a hero. Like you're supposed to be a hero. And we look to other people to be, to be reflecting what's important to us. But you're supposed to be the one reflecting that as well. Like, it's cool to have heroes. I, I, love, I have so many heroes. But if I'm looking to my heroes to show the heart of God that I'm called to bring to the earth, then I'm, I'm always going to be dissatisfied. Because we cannot live vicariously through other people. And I spent a lot of years, you know, Scott is an amazing, amazing communicator. Probably one of the best communicators. That's my husband. One of the best communicators I, I know. Like, he's a great storyteller. He's amazing at details. Like, he just shows the heart of God so beautifully. And for a long time, after um, we got married and we were in the youth ministry together, I'd just be like, ah, uh, just let Scott do it. He'd be like, hey, Lacey, what are you getting from the Lord? And I'd tell him. And he'd be like, cool. I'm going to speak on that on Sunday. I'm like, great, do it. Like, I have no desire. I've got three kids. Like, I have no desire to get up there and try to prepare a message or share. And it was like I started feeling the Holy Spirit, like, tapping on me. Tap, 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 tap. Like, you're living vicariously through your husbands. <sighs> but I don't want to do it, Lord. I'm not a very good speaker. I'm not a very, I, you know, all of the excuses, all the, the stench of the aroma of excuse. And I started realizing, you know, and I'd be like, oh, man, Scott should have said this, or, oh, this, this would have been better if he would have used this Bible reference, or blah, blah, blah. And, like, the Holy Spirit's like, dude, I did not create you to be on the backstage of your own life. Like, it's fine to be, a, it's fine to support people. Like, I'm all about supporting my family and my friends, and I would do anything for, for people I care about. But if I am doing a supporting role in my own life, like, what a bummer. Come on. Like, we, oh, you're so qualified. You're so qualified to happen in your life. You're so qualified to be the one that when something's on your heart, like, you know, like, I would even be like, hey, Scott, you should call this person because they're, you know, maybe they're having a hard time. And I, I would remind him. And he'd be like, why don't you call him? And I'd be like, oh, they'd rather hear from you. And the Holy Spirit's like, uh-uh. Like, the finger of God. Uh-uh. Like, you... You have value. You add value. And I'm just, I'm sharing this because I feel like we all do this sometimes. And, and I just want to share with you guys, like, you guys are so enough. Like, you're so enough to love your community. You're so enough to love your family. You're so enough to, to, to love the church. And we get so self-conscious that we're, that we're not representing God well. And I'm just wanting to let you know that you're enough. You're enough. That you happening in your life is enough. That the Holy Spirit is so thrilled with who you are. That he, he, 
he doesn't want less of you. He wants more of you. We pray those prayers, less of me, God, more of you, less of me. And God's like, I had less of you before I made you. But I made you because I wanted you to, to be here. <laughs> like, welcome. Welcome to your life. <laughs> I like you. Sometimes we just need to hear that. I like you. Holy Spirit likes you. He likes who you are. He likes your rainbows coming out of unicorns. Like, he just, he thinks that's awesome. This lady who is so disqualified and just like the lowest of the low became one of the greatest evangelists to Samaria because she got lit on fire by a God who loves her and that says, hey, that shame right there, like I want that. That's not who you are anymore. I feel like one of the questions that God is is on God's heart for the church, and he's really like we've had lots of years and years of conversation about this, but if we're really going to be some a church that impacts the community and impacts um, the unsaved, like we have to learn how to, to separate people's past from their future. And I was in a church one time, and I felt like the Lord said, you know, if somebody totally dressed in drag came in here, how do you think the church would respond? And I'm like, hmm, I think they would freak out. <laughs> because we were just kind of in a little bit of a sleepy, conservative church. And he's like, could you love someone completely decked out in, in, in something that would be so offensive to, to you as a Christian? I mean, I, I wouldn't be as, it wouldn't be offensive to me. I used to do lots of ministry to prostitutes on the streets of San Francisco, and a lot of them were guys dressed as girls. And, I mean, we just saw the heart of God just, like, so move so powerfully to these um, these these people that just needed a, they needed a good father they needed someone that loved them they needed someone that that didn't see the sin but saw the person that Jesus made them to be and i just i felt like he said the church has got to get ready he's they've got to be able to separate um the outward sin from the person that i've made them to be if they want to actually bring revival and so many times, I mean, oh my gosh, I've been in church ministry for so long, and so many times people would be like, this is, this is Janet, um, she was a prostitute, so, you know, don't, you know, we're not going to really let her on the prayer team, but, um, you know, we're going to just still, still love on her, and I'm like, Janet's been, like, saved for 10 years. She hasn't been a prostitute forever, like, let it go, but we just want to keep going, here you go. Oh, no, this is your idea. Oh, Jesus told you you're left. Oh, but, let, but don't forget, you know, like you're a prostitute. And it's like, no, Jesus, Jesus forgot about that. Like he's so over it. And we're still trying to like put labels on people. And, and we do it to ourselves all the time. Oh, man, I just, you know, I'm just, this is who I am. And I just feel like God's like, here's the finger of I want that. Like I actually paid for that. That's mine. And it's, it's in worship that you give him all of your disqualifiers. And it's so cool because, you know, he's used people throughout history who had every excuse to not, to not be a leader or a person of influence. Look at Moses. Like, Moses was like, I stutter. Like, I don't even know how to speak right. 
And God's like, oh, yeah, you're going to represent me to the, to the nation, and you're going to actually lead a nation out of, of, of um, Egypt. Like, you can go through every story in the Bible pretty much and find a disqualifier that Jesus was, God was like, yep, I choose you. I choose you. And God has been so faithful to me. Like, all of the areas in my life that I felt disqualified in, he's made a strength in my life. It's so beautiful. And it talks about in Isaiah 61, it talks about, um, just turn to it really quick. It talks about how he gives you a double portion in your, in your, for shame. Any area of shame, he gives you a double portion. I'm just going to turn to it. Instead of shame... will get a double portion. Instead of humiliation, they will rejoice over the land they receive. Yes, they will possess a double portion in their land and experience lasting joy. That's, that's Isaiah 61, 7. And what I love about that is the areas that you have in your life that you have shame or humiliation, you actually, what, what the Lord does for you is he actually goes, okay, I'm going to buy that property and you're going to actually get a double portion of ownership in that area. Like when, the, when God comes and he heals you, you actually take up residency in that area. And it looks like, oh, this property, this is mine now. And where the enemy tried to, like, destroy me, I'm going to not only build a palace, but I'm going to invite anybody else that has that same problem, and I'm going to break that off of them. And I'm going to bring joy to them. And I'm going to cleanse them in the name of Jesus. I've seen so many good things in the areas of my life that I should have, you know, not, not had success in. And God's just like, so good. He's so, he's so good. You know, like, my, I came from a broken family. My marriage is awesome. Like, I have a great family. I, um, you know, I... I never traveled as a child. I, we barely went on vacation. I get to travel the world. My kids get to go with me. Like, they get to experience the nations. And it's, it's my joy to watch them. Like, wow, God, you're so good. That's amazing. Like, my, even the things in my life that I had lack in, I get to watch my children thrive in. It's so cool. so fun. It's so fun to invite God into our lack and watch him make it a strength and watch him change our, change our lineage, change our history. Wow. So I just want to just ask, you know, just for you to start to think about any areas when the Holy Spirit starts to put his finger on that, those areas that you would just yield it to God. Because it's not worship for you to hold on to them. He actually paid for them. He wants to bless you. Which is the opposite of how we feel. Because we don't feel like he would want to bless us in our area of sin. Or our area of shame. Even, even in areas of purity. Like, I feel like there's people in this room that have, you know, purity, 
impurity stuff inside of them that they're just like, God, this is just, I have shame here. And he goes, I'm going to make you a rock of purity. Like, that's actually going to be your victory. You're actually going to break that off of other people. Wow. He's so good. He's so worthy. So I just want, let's just close our eyes. Holy Spirit, you are so worthy. You are so good, Lord. Thank you for all that you paid for. Thank you that we get to live in fullness, Lord. We get to reign in life because of what you did, Lord. We get to actually have strength in our weakness. That where we're we're weak, Lord, we become strong in you. And Lord, right now, I just, yeah, if if, if you just want, if you just feel like the Holy Spirit is just has his finger on those, those places in your life, I just want you to, I want to invite you to stand, and I just want to pray for you. Maybe it's just that you're afraid to, to speak in public, or you're afraid to pray for people, or you're afraid to, or you just feel like lack. If you want to get rid of those excuses, just go ahead and stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for for courage, God. Thank you for courage to to be vulnerable. You know, God loves your honesty. He wants you to be honest with him. It's so powerful to be honest before the Lord. So, God, I just thank you for just vulnerability and honesty. Lord, I thank you that you are breaking shame off of people, that it's your joy, that you eat shame for breakfast, that you say, I want that. I want those areas. I want those disqualifiers because I've called you to stand on the center of your life and be powerful, be fully you, be fully happening, that we'll no longer live vicariously through other people that are willing to step out, that we're willing to step out on our own, Lord, that we're willing to step out on our own stage, whether that's in whatever mountain that's in, whatever sphere that's in, Lord, whether it's teaching, whether it's art, whether it's in the community. Lord, I just thank you, God, for this congregation. I thank you that they are truly called to be impacting this area, that they're going to bring in the the lost. They're going to bring in the lonely. They're going to bring in the ones that need a touch, and they're going to equip them to walk in fullness. God, I thank you that New Zealand is, is it's small enough that, Lord, the whole nation could be saved so quickly. It's not a big deal for you. But it's going to take your people walking in fullness. And I speak that, Lord, fullness, fullness, fullness. Bono has a quote that um, I just really love. He says, the world is more malleable than you think, and we could wrestle it from fools. And I've just been hearing that over and over in New Zealand, that New Zealand is more malleable than you think, and you could wrestle it from fools. You could take it back. You could bring it to the feet of Jesus and have a whole nation saved. Wow, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this awesome country, Lord, that your heart is so for New Zealand. He's so for you. He wants to champion you. He accepts you. He loves you. Thank you, Lord. And I bless you. I bless you on this this journey of you just being you, that you are enough, 
that you are good enough. You're so loved by the Father. He's so proud of you. <laughs> He's so proud of you. He so loves you. He so loves you, Thrive Church. In Jesus' name.